Episode eight, they're playing country music. April 28th, 2023, 10.41 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay, let's look at today's question. What is woke culture and is it based in psychology? That's a divisive question, isn't it? I suppose for a long time in the past, being woke was simply a synonym for awake, and it was used in the African-American vernacular. Over the years, though, the the term staying awake became a watchword in parts of the African-American culture for those who questioned the levels of justice in the American socio-political landscape, I suppose. And over the past decade, the term was widely popularized as a call to action that went hand in hand with participation in the Black Lives Movement, didn't it? And then a new definition emerged. And even actually the Merriam-Webster Dictionary has a definition of woke as being aware of and actively attentive to important facts and issues, especially issues of racial and social justice. Now, wokeness in itself entails the prioritization of certain issues relating to racial and ethnic ethnic, uh, equality, as well as issues facing the LGBTI community. And it's uh, characterized by a distinct alertness to racism, sexism, and other forms of discrimination. And among those on the political right, however, the word has become, I suppose the word has become an insult, hasn't it? Uh, to those who are perceived to be radicals following a form of political correctness gone awry. Woke culture describes, I suppose, the manifestation of wokeness in the public domain. It's the collective action of people united through their wokeness or through being awake, through their realisation. The clearest manifestation of woke culture is people gathering, either in person or online, for the purpose of protesting oppression or unfair discrimination. You know, it's a culture that consciously positions itself in direct opposition towards injustice and exploitation and dedicates itself to structurally dismantling all forms of that. Now, psychologically speaking, woke culture, I suppose, is the public manifestation of that very instinctive human urge for identity through belonging. And through belonging, you know, to associating with a group, which often manifests in the desire to advance the interests of your own group over over threats from outsiders. And then this urge then often translates into activism, which finds the necessary justification in identifying injustices committed against the group that you belong to or that you associate with. And I suppose participating in this kind of activism for the sake of your own group also helps you gain an increased sense of belonging within that group. And so woke culture is ultimately, psychologically speaking, a collective reaction by a group to what is perceived or identified as threats. And, you know, it's a reaction psychologically rooted in our instinctive human drive to survive by overcoming, you know, what we perceive to be enemies and obstacles and injustices. I mean, the word woke has become so divisive, hasn't it? When it didn't, it started really as, 
as as a way to to be more aware of injustice but it it has it has certainly be it has started to be used as an insult and uh, i think this is a shame really because it started with the with all of the right ideals and you know that's a difficult question to answer but anyway that's the that's the origins of wokeness and i suppose the psychological reasoning behind it there's a fragment that's here today and they call it charlie a different fragment that thinks your way yeah they call it charlie kind of young kind of now charlie kind of free kind of original fragrance. Today on Something Came From Baltimore, we have another episode of Kind of Free, Kind of Wow, conversation with Laurie Green. Laurie Green is an assistant professor of anthropology at Stockton University in New Jersey, where she has taught since 1986. She is the founder and chair of the LGBTQ Youth Safe Space Initiative at Stockton University and an advocate for local LGBTQ community and is the author of Drag Queens and Beauty Queens, Contesting Femininity in the World's Playground. You can binge. It's not too late. We have six more episodes to go. Otherwise, we'll drop them when something came from Baltimore in a timely fashion. The background music is D-Light's amazing 1990 album, World Click. The songs that you hear are from Bobby Short. Oh, and uh, Something Came From Baltimore is a jazz, blues, and R&B podcast. And it's not normally about Baltimore. In fact, today, it definitely is not. Now, let's get into the conversation. Yeah. Well, the bottom line was that Hilton at, at the time said, no way, this would never work because we, we want our gambling crowd uh, not to be offended in any way. And to have a gay event, you know, would be like outrageous and we don't and i said well we don't want the fear is that we would have like a bear event there and then they would not feel comfortable in the casino you know they would be people wouldn't look at them in a welcoming way so it was a big concern and um it never happened and i went down the, the to all the casinos that would talk to me not all of them would um and, uh, you know, it was just a big bomb. But Well, I think it was a great idea. And I think now, just a few years later, I think it would have been received differently. I really do. I, I think there's more. They see now the money. I mean, it, as, as venal as that sounds <laughs> and not 
not for the right reasons. They see the money that's potentially in gay tourism. Sure. But that's what the reason that why they're, they're even interested in it. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, absolutely. That, so it, it, it loops it back into the idea of like the community, like the community can smell the fact that you don't really care about the community like that live there that, but you do want to make money off of the community. And, and that's the part that, that piece that's missing. Then, and I've identified that a long time ago. I said that the reason why, you know, they're, that the, uh, our NAC was not successful was that you just didn't make the local people feel like a part of it or involved. And, you know, it's just investors. I mean, basically you want every local person is your cheerleader. Every, every local person is the one that's going to move the ball forward. And if they're not like, you know, feeling appreciated that it's just not going to go anywhere. I I think it's taken them a long time to realize that, you know, um, I think in the beginning, the casino industry was doing so well, they didn't think they needed anybody. That's Um, true. (laughs) And I think that now that there's a different equation, I I think they're much more apt to, um, you know, consider things like this. I really think that they'd be more open to something like that now. I should suggest it again. <laughs> yeah, I, I trust me. I I love that area, and I uh, you're talking about Baltimore. Uh, I love Baltimore also uh, in a different way, but they're very similar. You are they are very similar in, in, yeah. in their struggles. Um, the the uh, violence and the uh, what happens. I always say is that there's no. Like in, in Atlantic City, the the uh, there's no affluence. You know, everyone's kind of there. If you're if you are there, you are, you know, you're in it with everyone else. No matter if you make more money or less, but we're all in it together. And that's kind of how, like, I always look at Baltimore or Detroit or these other struggling cities. There, uh, you know, we're all in this thing, and we're gonna we're all gonna survive it. So I think people are more real. You know, if they're, if, if you were in LA or something where you're in a more an affluent area, you know, you just would have the same kind of conversations that you have with people who are just like, we're all trying to, you know, survive this thing. It's yeah. I mean, excuse my language, but, uh, you know, I like to say that here we have this, we're all in this shithole together attitude, you know, exactly. it's, <laughs> it's like a shithole, but it's our shithole, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> And it's not like everybody isn't aware of it. You know, there's yeah. nobody walking around with the delusion that this is a great city, with, you know, that that's um, exceeding its expectations. You know, everybody's sort of like every time something happens to show us we're going nowhere when we thought we were going somewhere, we all sort of do this collective. I knew it sigh, you know, yeah. but again, on the other hand, it breeds a sort of camaraderie that I think you don't have. And I agree places like Detroit, um, you know, places like Baltimore, it, we're all the same, right? In some ways, places like Newark as well, although Newark is a much bigger city than, um, than Atlantic City is. It has the same vibe. Maybe Camden's a good example, a comparison, um, to Atlantic City. And, you know, but it, it, it's, you know, it, you still can love it here too. That's the weird thing. Uh, yeah. you know, you can despise what's going on and you can still love it, you know, because to me, this, this place has so much potential. It's just a matter of someone having the vision to see, to see, um, how that potential can be tapped. We have, like I said, a beautiful beach. 
I mean, like, you know, no matter what happens here, we still have a beach, right? It's still a resort town. Um, we have this world famous, wonderful boardwalk and it is, it's a gem, you know, every day when I walk down it or ride my bike down it, I'm like, this is freaking beautiful. Yeah. No, paradise. And, you know, we have a tradition of being, you know, America's oldest playground, you know, and that history is something that we should absolutely, we don't take advantage of building on the history of this place. And I know, um, when I watch, um, I just recently watched Boardwalk Empire. I hadn't watched it, right? Um, I watched The Wire, the whole thing before I watched Boardwalk Empire, <laughs> just as an example. And I don't live in Baltimore, right? Never have. Um, but it was funny when I was watching it and they were portraying like the nookie, you know, the nookie, uh, Thompson era or Johnson era, right? Cause they changed his name. Um, of Atlantic City when you've got prohibition and all this corruption. And I started thinking, this is so tame compared to what Atlantic City politics is now. Like, you know, but there must be something we can do to play on this history because people seem to be enamored with it. Why they haven't taken advantage of Boardwalk Empire, the success of that series, um, to somehow promote tourism here, I have no idea. You think they'd be having Boardwalk Empire tours, you know, walking tours, and there'd be a Boardwalk Empire Museum, and there'd be a, you know, but for some reason in this place, it doesn't happen, you know? Um, the people I, who have the wherewithal I, I, don't come at the, at, together to make it happen. Like, I know that there's a large percentage of money uh, that goes back into the city, so you're like, oh, that's that's amazing. That's why the casinos are there. They're pumping money into the the city, but I've never been to a, a major like downtown area where there's not a Starbucks or there's not outside seating or there's not, uh, you know, like places that people feel that they can walk up and down and shop a little. Um, it, I mean, they, they do have the, um, the outlets, but I mean, that's. Well, and they're was, not doing well at all. Yeah. There was a, there was a time that, that, that they had buses coming all over the place. And, you know, they on purpose, in my opinion, had to run down, down, uh, downtown. So people could look out their windows when they're coming in and out of the city and be scared out of their mind of what they were seeing. There's zombie action. There's a lot of zombie walking people in, in Atlantic City. It's very visible. So there's a lot of like drug abuse and, and it's very open. But it's not, I felt it was done on purpose because you don't, you want to scare people into the casino. You don't want them to veer off. And, you know, everyone's like, okay, if I'm in the casino, I'm only there, the boardwalk, the beach, and then I'm back in, you know, that's, or it's an yeah. interesting theory. I, it's, it's a pretty good one. I hadn't heard that before. I hadn't thought of it. Um, there, there's no, there's no, it would be deliberate to keep people inside because <laughs> that's yeah. where they want them, you know. Exactly. Well, the casinos have been able to, um, exert some other ways. For example, there's literally nowhere to park in Atlantic City that's free. So if I want to go take the bus or the train, there's nowhere for me to park my car or even stop to wait legally and pick somebody up from the bus or the train. You know, it's, it's bizarre and it's all because the casinos want you to pay to park in them. So yes. we've taken away all our public parking. I find that to be 
outrageous that the city allows that to me, like public parking, you know, minimally, you know, like at any bus station where you, you know, pay like a few dollars a day, that seems to be a public right to me. That's not something that's negotiable with the businesses in your city. You know, I mean, but Atlantic City doesn't see it that way. Its government will always tend for whatever reason. I won't speculate why, although I have speculations, um, why they seem to go 100 percent siding with the, um, you know, with the casinos. Uh, Another example with this would be we have a needle exchange program that happens out of um, an arm of our uh, Atlantic City AIDS Alliance, which is called the Oasis, um, right on Tennessee Avenue, one of the pretty, you know, one of the hairier parts of the city, that street. Um, and basically the casinos didn't like it there because it was a little close to where they saw um, positive development happening and they pushed to get rid of the needle exchange program by demonizing it when we all knew why they wanted to get rid of it. You know, they didn't want to have to look at those people going in and out who were getting uh, counseling for how to live with HIV AIDS along with and much of that is due to drug addiction now. So it sort of, you know, went arm in arm what was happening at the Oasis, um, the kind of services they were providing for uh, harm reduction, which is proven to be the only positive way to combat drug addiction and the deaths that can happen because of it, you know, which is the worst case scenario. So, you know, in a way, um, what the city wanted to do, they like to push those people off into sections where they're not bothering them, but they don't seem to be doing anything to actually rectify the situation and the real problems that we have here. Know that I also think it's the case, not because I know it personally, because everybody talks about it being true, that Atlantic City is one of those bus destinations that the... um Various prisons and jails in Atlantic City give their um, ex-prisoners once paroled tickets to. So they all end up down at the Atlantic City bus terminal. Mm, Um, And I have heard it, too, but I don't. Do you know if it's really true? Because I have heard it from everybody. Um, That's a a Jeff. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Including the police (laughs) from some police. And that's what made me believe it. And and I um, didn't, I never drove. Um, I, I do drive, but I never had a car because I don't like to. And I, I was a bus commuter all the time and I would see it. I would see the, the police come in and uh, the, the, the wake them up in the morning, all the homeless people that were sleeping in the bus terminal. I saw the, the aid workers come in every morning and try to get them out to the shelters and to, you know, all these nonprofits working in the bus terminal and the um, people that help those that have just gotten out of incarceration and stuff. I forget what their name is, but they have, they wear red jackets and they come into the, um, the bus terminal every day, um, in the morning. I, you know, that, and that doesn't help, you know, that Atlantic City, if that's true, and then it's a dumping ground, yeah. you know, for people who have really problems and have a lot of needs, you know, that aren't, we are not equip, equipped to meet here. You know, we don't have the resources. And then they try to get rid of those resources, like those people are going away and they're not. Um, this is a really easy place to get lost. And it's one of the reasons we have all these casinos. It's just an easy place to get lost, you know, where people won't bother you if you're lost. Um, you can sleep under the boardwalk. There's a ton of little nooks and crannies around the giant buildings of the casinos and the abandoned houses that are all over the city for, and the, and the train yard 
Um, and it's one of the reasons why we have such a problem here with homeless LGBTQ youth. Um, all the homeless youth in the region, if they're running away from home or if they're somehow can't stay where they are, um, they end up in Atlantic City, you know, and then that leads to problems that we have here. One of the highest human trafficking problems, especially with queer youth um, and also drug addiction, you know, the, the, the allied related problems of drug addiction um, and other sorts of abuse. And frankly, there's abuse of um, of a lot of these queer you know, young queer kids by older gay men, you know, who either tourists who come down here for what we might call sex tourism, you know, or locals, you know. And so we we have quite a bit of problem with that here. And it's all tied up in the same package of not wanting to focus resources and efforts on trying to combat these problems, you know, but instead see them as a big sucking sound on our society and push them aside and not give them any resources. Mm-hmm. So. You know, again, one of my one of the advocacy concerns we have here. Well, uh, it's a it's a daily thing. It's a daily thing because you see it on a daily basis. Like there is no like while Atlantic City is amazing, the boardwalk's amazing. There's visual like just ten ten steps away, you're 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 faced with things that are uh, really right in your face, and uh, it's it doesn't go away. And then you know. The streets are, you know, uh, they're not paved. They're like, it's like a third world to get in there. And uh, the, the roads are all jacked up. Uh, it's, you know, every day I'm like, okay, this house is abandoned now. This house is abandoned now, you know, or yeah. this house fell down. You know, it's like, yeah, that kind of thing. I had a story about uh, that, uh, the needle exchange. It's real close to the the, How- the Howard johnson's the restaurant um and i we went in with bill cradle for lunch and there was a long line long line you know and right beside it we just kind of i was like oh they're they're giving away something i don't know they're giving away something so we ate we must have been in there for an hour and a half just having a good conversation and i come out and i said what is this line their line continues and it was the needle exchange program and i was like wow there's that many people that that um I can, I can go have like a long lunch, you know, for an hour and a half and come back and the line is equally as long as it was when I started. It's a a huge problem here. Yeah. It's it's huge. I mean, uh, and uh, again, it's not going to go away because we decide we don't want to have a needle exchange program anymore. (laughs) It's it's certainly not going to go away because of that. Um, The the whole thing, I mean, so there's there's a casino vibe that you want to create commerce, and then you have reality in your face vibe going on. I, if this is a destination, you know, a tourist destination, they they both can't exist and be equally as available. Like like the I I work for the Orioles, and people will not go to the stadium anymore because of the gunshots down by the Inner Harbor. Like you just they 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 don't mix. Um, you know, fear kind of always. Um, wins out. Uh, I, if, if you were going to fix the casino, like the whole, that whole area, I would not make Atlantic city a county seat. You're all these county things going on are in that town. I would move it to another town. And then maybe some of those issues would, would, would be drawn towards there. Like, wow. Can you see that Atlantic city now be in Cape May? Can you imagine those people 
freaked out about what's going on, you know. But I'm just saying that to fix the 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 commerce part of it, you just can't have all that stuff there. Now, the the part two is that it has to go somewhere, maybe to Pleasantville, and then it has to be fixed. These people need to have a healthier uh, life, but I, I I don't know. So it, it's kind of like you're running you're running in place to fix the, 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 the beauty of what Atlantic city is when there's so much like human suffering, like right, right next door to you. Yeah. I mean, again, I, you know, I'm not privy to the details of all the problems cause I'm not in government and I, I haven't educated myself that thoroughly about it, but um, yeah, it seems like the problems are pretty, are pretty, uh, I wouldn't say insurmountable, but pretty significant. You know, and um, and it's going to take a lot. Um, it's again, it's going to take a concerted will by a lot of people in order to try to fix it. And um, again, without that will, uh, I don't know that it can happen. You know, it's it, it's going to have to take that sort of concerted will. But yeah. the answers, I don't know. I mean, I I think some of the things you're saying are really good and interesting ideas. Um, and I would love it if, if there were people that were actually honestly talking about these solutions. I don't hear that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, really sitting down at a table and going like, how about this? Like, like creative solutions to these very complicated problems that we have here in Atlantic City. Um, I would love that. I would love to see that happening. I, I don't, I don't see that happening. And it's because, again, it's because of the nature of our politics, you know, which is so, pers- so personalized. I mean, we all know everybody who's mayor. They're the guy next door. It's not like some, somebody important, you know, <laughs> who gets, who gets elected mayor in Atlantic City. You know, it's somebody. By, by the way, he is the hottest guy I've ever seen in my long time. Like, I am totally <laughs> Marty, he is, he is so sexy. I am. So <laughs> well, that shows me your taste. Uh, no, perfect. Marty is yum yum. I would vote for him just so I can look at him. <laughs> <laughs> I always say in Atlantic City, you can't get elected unless you have a criminal record. Yes. Um, seems to be true. And then, of course, they're criminals, and we know that. But there are criminals. You know, that's sort of like the attitude about it. It's you'd rather have the criminal you know than the one you don't. <laughs> yeah, I would always say that on the you, there's a clipboard, and just look at your name. Your name will come up soon, and you'll be in charge of the the city. <laughs> just just a matter of time. Just a matter of time. Yeah. Well, I don't know, but um, what I do know is that um, yeah, to be elected in the city is is a matter of actually a matter of politics, not a matter of policy. So again, I have no idea how to resolve that or fix it. Um, but I do think it's a, it's a proper observation. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a major clash. And I mean, uh, what would, what would the, the reality would be is to move, you know, take the whole city. It's only eight miles long and just redo it. Like, you know, if there's empty buildings, tear them down and put new buildings up, uh, apartment complexes, like, Create the city that you desire, make it drivable, livable, and and the people will come. When it comes to all those issues, unfortunately, you can't have both. You know, you can't have, 
you can't have a vacation area with um, the the major problems of America. They just have to be moved somewhere and then dealt with appropriately. Um, I don't understand. Like there's only, there's 45,000 people that live in the city. And then we have a really super high level of unemployment where there are casinos that have jobs available and there, where there's, there's the conflict right there. Where's the, the disconnect of people who can't find work that could just actually work and they wouldn't even have to drive. They just walk right to work. So right. It, uh, that part always got, uh, got me weirded out. I didn't understand it. Yeah. I can only assume, you know, casinos, you have to have a casino license and maybe if you have a police record, you know, which a lot of the people of color uh, because of racism here and poverty, um, they might. And so you might not be able to get a casino job. You know, we there are, in order to work at the casinos, you do have to be able to get a casino license, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that that does, I think uh, I do know that a lot of people that work at the casinos aren't from Atlantic City, you know? Um, they're from out of town. And, and maybe that is why. Maybe those jobs aren't available. Um, certainly I know that a lot of youth are, are seriously underemployed. You know, we don't have a lot of, um, we don't have a lot of jobs available for youth in, in our city. And that's, that's part of the problem because it sets them up for, you know, um, you know, having a negative experience with employment, but also maybe for getting into trouble because they're bored. And, yeah. um, and I think that that's probably somewhere where, where I would start, you know, if, if this was my rodeo. You know, I would um, I would think about resolving that problem of youth youth underemployment. Um, I think if you get them start starting feeling success working early, then that might go a long way to um, making people less likely to be um, unemployable or out of work or feel unemployable later on. Idea of uh, no visible tattoos and then someone would tattoo underneath their eye. You know, and you're like, wait a minute, (laughs) like that, you just canceled yourself out of 11 places that you could be working at. Exactly. Um, (laughs) Like that. But I mean, that does happen, you know, and so when we want to know why people are working, we, we might not need to look much further than that. You know, um, what are some of the restrictions to employment, you know, that we have in the city and what, and what can we do about easing those restrictions? Um, but you know, that takes a willingness again on the part of government to want to re- appeal to that audience that may not vote, you know, and, and this is, this is always the issue in, in, in politics is that politicians are going to appeal to the people that vote for them and not the ones that don't. And, um, often people who are, um, impoverished or otherwise marginalized, they're not voting. You know, they don't, they don't think that their vote matters. And, and that, you know, then we get to sort of this problem compounding itself, maybe. It always amazed me that you were coming, Donald Trump, uh, had three failed casinos and, uh, stiff multiple people, you know, a lot of businesses, a lot of contractors, um, kept on, uh, filing for bankruptcy and re uh, redoing the, the, the agreements and, and people are very pro uh, Republican and, and 
forget all about what he had did to the his backyard. You know, Atlantic oh my City. God! Now I personally know four businesses that Donald Trump didn't pay and put out of business. One of them is a a friend I went to school with his parent, his you know parent or grandparents' business. I'm not sure which was. They were in glass and. He had hired them to do the, the contract on building one of his casinos, which for them was like a dream of a lifetime. Like they were going to be rich, you know, like this is the biggest contract we've ever gotten. They took out loans. They, you know, to buy all the glass and stuff because they're a small mom and pop company and they did the job. And then Trump said, oh, I think you did a crappy job and I'm not paying you. And yeah. eventually paid them like three cents on a dollar or something ridiculous and put them out of business because they had so much debt. I know a number of, of at least four personally of businesses that he did that to. And those people remember. (laughs) I find that some of the people that worked in his casino as like cocktail waitresses and stuff, they're the ones that I see supporting him, not um, who maybe uh, found him charming. You know, I, or just Republicans who are fiscal conservatives, you know, that have an idea that Democrats are just going to be taxing them too much and spending money. But I think there's a lot of people here that know what Trump did. Oh, of course. It happened. <laughs> it's not like, did, you know, but, but when they imploded, they imploded the Trump Plaza, you know, um, a ways back uh, during COVID. I think it was in 2021. I don't remember. And every there were thousands of people on the beach having a party. For the, an implosion party when they blew up his casino. I mean, um, you know, one of the, yeah, he, he wanted it that way because he doesn't like, like his casinos that he went bankrupt on sitting there uninhabited with the T falling off of the word Trump, you know, and the, the decaying and falling apart. It's not a good look for him. So he, he ordered at one point all the, the names to be taken off the building so that people didn't, because everybody was taking pictures of it and going, yeah, this is what Trump looks like, the post-Trump apocalypse, you know. Um, there's actually a guy, uh, one of the history professors at Stockton, who does a J- Donald J. Trump Atlantic City tour, which is absolutely lambasts him. And is, it's true, but it's, but it's hysterical. You know, and he takes you to all like the sites that Trump has destroyed in the city. And it's, <laughs> Somewhat tongue in cheek and somewhat not, you know, and, um, and it, it's, it's quite good. I was just saying to somebody that I wanted to take it again this summer, take some friends on it because I, I found it entertaining, but, um, you know, it, so it's out there here. It's just that this is traditionally Southern New Jersey, all of it, especially Cape May actually is much worse. We're actually fairly blue here in Atlantic City, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, below us, it's much more red, you know, I mean, um, and that's not really changing very much. And it's funny because, for example, somewhere like Cape May has a pretty big LGBTQ um, component to it, you know, in terms of full-time residents as well as summer owners, especially um, Cape May proper for men and like places like the Villas um, or West Cape May for women, you know, it's it's um it's gotten to be quite um you know quite a few lgbtq members have resi- moved there reside there so it's it's ironic that that's a place that is so red and it really is it's a very conservative um area and in particular cape may is a very conservative town is it is it not racism though i mean ultimately i mean it's it's real like kind of in your face between 
the, 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 the racial makeup between Democrats and Republicans and, and the fact that, you know, I, I guess in Atlantic City, like I always looked at the Ducktown Bar or that Atlantic City Bar and Grill, they'd play country music. It was coded language that yes. this is a, this yes. is a white, this is a white only establishment. You know, we don't, we're playing country music. No one wants country music, but we don't want you. <laughs> and right. they make it, they make it really ugly for uh, anyone who, like I have friends who were visiting or obviously were black, but they could feel the vibe. And they're like, what is one? one here? I have to tell you, I feel the vibe, you know, and um, I don't always feel comfortable in those spaces myself. Um, um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And, and certainly there's a, a, a huge racial divide here in Atlantic city, which is a shame because this is like they used to say in Atlanta, in uh, New Orleans, when I lived there, this is a chocolate city. You know, we have, um, very much a, a large population, majority population of people of color in Atlantic city. So it's and and by the way, that's one thing I will say this, and this is where I thought you were going with this, Tom. I think the other shore towns in this area absolutely see Atlantic City as a place where the black people are, you Definitely. know, and see it I, as in racist terms. Yeah, um, it, I am going there. I did. Uh, it was implied. <laughs> yeah. And, and I um and I do think that, you know, when people, for example, whenever I say I live in Atlantic City, people, people, city, people go, they sort of go, oh, what's that like? You know, like, you know, like they do this little sigh and I say, I love it. Where yeah. else can I be on a city at the beach, like San Juan, Atlantic City? Like you couldn't really think of too many places where I could really get like the urban feel because I'm a city person and at the same time have the beach. Yeah. You know, and to me, that's such an asset. You know what I mean? It's like, I really believe that. I love it. Like, I, I feel like I live in Ventnor, um, around, uh, near Newport in mid, mid city, right? And, um, mid beach, they call it here. Um, and so literally, you know, I feel like I'm living in Brooklyn. You know, I don't need a car. I walk a half a block. I've got my grocery store, all the restaurants I want to go to, the coffee shop get my nails done if I want, you know, which I don't, by the way, but you know what I mean? Like every little thing I could want is right here. I got a movie theater, you know, I can walk to all of it. And then half a block away, I have the bay with my kayaks and two blocks away, I have the beach. Like what could, but it really, to me, feels like Brooklyn where I live. And frankly, the demographic is like Brooklyn. You know, I live in a Mexican neighborhood and um, my little bodega, I love them over there. They have the best. There's the only place to buy my avocados because they're always perfect. Um, but, you know, I find, I think that our diversity here to me is the strength of this place. Um, I had at one time six yoga studios and they were, I had one in Long Beach Island and Ship Bottom. I had some offshore. I had one in Philly. I had one in Northfield. So a little more of an upscale part of offshore, you know, offshore. Um, and I had one in, in, uh, Ventnor here, um, that was North beach. So right next to Atlantic city. And it's like my beach studios that I had one in Hamilton too. My beach studios that I had, like the one in LBI, it was so a hundred percent white and rich, you know? Um, and then the one here was just like the opposite and, and I always remember thinking, God, and in the wintertime, it was a nightmare there. I thought I could never live in these other shore towns. 
you know, I would feel like a complete outcast, like it didn't fit in at all. And also they're dead in the, in the, the winter and there are no good restaurants, <laughs> but yeah. we have great restaurants. And part of that's because the King's casinos and part of that's because we have a full-time residency base here, right? Um, enough of a full-time residency base here to support that. And we have institutions, you know, that have been there for here forever, but it's just a more interesting place to be with people, you know, and things to do. And there it's just like, all they've got is the beach. And so I feel like that those assets could so be exploited in this city. Mm-hmm. I, I, have an, I have another idea for you. What? We're going to solve all the problems right now. Yeah, yeah. People like people who are tourists would love to have like an international, like have an international row of restaurants. So they could bounce from one place to another and they could try everything that they ever wanted to try. And they feel, uh, you know, kind of like they're, they're not too far out of their comfort zone. So it'd be like a, uh, either like a, like a, not like a cafeteria base, but it would just be international restaurant mall. Like they had had the exchange for a little bit, that idea, like shared space where you had like little mini versions of your restaurant. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that could happen on the walk. Yeah. um, You know, because right now half their stores are empty and they're, they're doing some interesting things. They're, they're giving some of them to nonprofits to set up shop and, you know, at no rent, um, and there, I know they put crops markets in there. That's a, um, a food insecurity, uh, nonprofit that's community gardens. And now they have a space to do education and selling of uh, farmers markets inside and stuff. So they are starting to do something. And that, that's something I could suggest to them. I mean, um, it's, it's a good idea. Another one. Sure. I mean, you could get careers, you know, <laughs> I was like, everyone wants to, like, I want to sample foe, not knowing what foe is. Yeah. If I if I was able to get either, um, like I could do a, a taste of the world where I can go to each one and sample something from it, like something small, or I could just like, I could finally like, you know, taste it and feel very, like I'm not like spent a ton of money trying to figure out if I like something or not. But uh, yeah, that's where I was like, that to me sounds like a lot of fun and it's already there. There is the, the, uh, the food of the world exists all through that area. You know, it's, it's, it's not like you have to import people to, to make this happen. It's already there. They're the, they're awesome restaurants all over the place. Well, um, I mean, Ventnor in particular, but Atlantic city area in general has one of the most diverse populations of any city in New Jersey. I mean, in terms of the different ethnic groups that are represented here, you know, so we have like a really, rich variety of resources for doing something like that yeah and then that would be i i like that idea like put that one on your list okay (laughs) (laughs) then we have to get someone to listen to us (laughs) yeah we have uh we have uh three minutes left on this one all right so we'll see you on the other side again tom yeah yeah, let's do it isn't it romantic That can be heard Isn't it romantic Moving shadows right The oldest magic world I hear the breezes play 
everything you were meant for love isn't it romantic really to be loved on such a night as this isn't it romantic every Lovers here, sweet symbols in the moonlight. To I will fall in love, perchance. Isn't it Episode 8 is complete. Next episode. Episode 9. Today's Revlon. End of episode. Oof. Rough.